Hey there, this is Michelle. Welcome to our Courage Speaks podcast. Here at Courage Speaks, we believe that courage doesn't always come through in a loud voice. It can come through in a whisper, a silent tear, or in just never giving up. One of our goals is to bring awareness to the areas that affect our mental health. And just so you know, everything in some way affects our mental health. But it is here that we are sharing the message of healing, hope, and living your best life. If you have not done so already, join us at Courage Speaks on Instagram and Facebook. In this episode, we will be answering some of the questions that we receive from parents and educators about children. We will be digging in about communication, teaching empathy, as well as the effects of parental divorce and separation. As I was preparing for this week's podcast, the nation learned of the passing of Kobe Bryant and his beautiful daughter, Gianna. This sobering loss is a reminder of life's fragility, of living every day to the fullest and leaving nothing undone. But to jump right into our first question, we're going to go ahead. Um, Regardless of what the news says, whether it's the loss of a celebrity like Kobe Bryant, a mass shooting like what we've experienced in Columbine for, you know, those of us that are a little older or Sandy Hook or threats of World World War III, how do you discuss life's tragedies with your children? So the first thing I would suggest is that you show up vulnerable and honest. We are our children's first teachers, and they take their cues and clues about sadness, feelings, life, and loss from us. So they're looking at how we respond to things. And so if we can show up in a way that says, I don't have it all together, this hurts me, I am devastated because of this, and they can still see us persevere through it, live through it, process the hurt, that's teaching our child a way to show up vulnerable and acknowledge their feelings as well. Allow them, this is number two, allow them to feel all of the feelings. So I know as a parent, one of the things is if I could alleviate my child hurting, feeling sad, feeling angry, feeling left out, I definitely would do that. However, we are not allowing them to grow into well-rounded individuals if we stifle those experiences. So allow them to feel those feelings. So if we're talking about a mass shooting, it is okay that your child feels scared. If it's the loss of a celebrity, it's okay that your child feels sadness. I say this all the time, feel the feeling don't get stuck there or feel the fear and do it anyway. The feeling behind any situation is natural. It's what you make the choice to do after that. That is the key. So that could be processing through it, talking through it, understanding that you're not alone in how you feel. 
all of those things help you progress forward to the next phase. Okay. Number three, know your child and be age appropriate. So sometimes we do have children who are immersed in the realities of life, like their parents um, take a very um, straightforward approach in teaching them about life. So you've got to, it's almost like you got to know those children and you can have a very real adult-like conversation with those children. But for other children, you want to be age appropriate. Um, All six-year-olds cannot take the uncertainties that come along with mass shootings. So how you present that information to them is definitely different than how you possibly would present it to a high school student. Um, How you talk about safety, our bodies, keeping our bodies safe to a, again, a six-year-old is possibly different than how you would present that information to a middle schooler or a high schooler. You want to be sensitive that the language is understandable, that the message actually does get across, um, and that the child knows what to do with the information that you've given them. Okay? Three, understand that grief is not easy. And so with that, a lot of it, especially when we're talking about right now, we're talking about the loss of um, what many would call a legend. He was definitely um, a basketball phenom. The name Kobe Bryant spans the um, spans the nation, whether we were Laker fans or whether we were Kobe fans or not. Everybody knows him. Um, but we most of us didn't know him personally. But whether or not we know him personally, you can still feel that loss. There's still a sense of sadness. And when I heard the news yesterday, I was actually taken aback as to how. Um, like I responded to it, like I was shocked that like I was overcome with sadness when I heard about what happened. Um, but no, um, we can experience secondary um, trauma as well. It's kind of like this doesn't immediately affect me, but I am still affected by it. It may also be um, when we learn about the loss that someone else is experiencing, it could also be a reminder of another loss that we've experienced personally. And then it also is a sobering reminder of our own mortality. So how much longer do I have? Is today my last day? Am I going to leave out of the house and not return? Have I done enough? Like, have I accomplished enough to feel like I have lived a full life? Um, That's the type of stuff that loss or the end of life can bring for us. Another thing that you can do and encourage your children to do is unplug, get off of social media, turn off the radio. Um, Because over the last 24 hours, 24 hours plus now, we've been inundated with the news of Kobe Bryant, pictures of his daughter, pictures of him. And now we've now seen the other seven victims of this helicopter crash. And so when you feel that the response is your response to this information is becoming too much, 
go ahead, take a step back, acknowledge I am feeling a way about this. I need to step back. And then the last thing I'm going to say is get support. Whether that's therapy, just so you know, I'm always going to be a proponent of therapy. But if it's therapy or support groups um, or sitting around talking to friends, those are all things that are um, helpful ways to help you deal with loss, grief, or just news in general that is unpleasant. Next question. I am at a loss as to how to communicate with my child. How can I improve our communication? Now, this can the answer to this question can show up differently depending on the age of your child. So these are going to be general. Um, And at some point when we do our next question and answer period, we can discuss some specifics as far as age range. But first thing, just so I, I want you guys to know. Most children want to have a relationship with their parents or other influential family members, whether that's mom, dad, grandma, aunt or uncle or whomever. Um, They want that relationship. None of us are meant to live life in a silo or independent of other people. We all need someone, at least a someone. Okay, so understand that when it appears that our children have distanced themselves from us or we don't know how to communicate with them. Um, Outside of that, number one, lose the expectations. We may have a thought that if my child wants to communicate or the only way my child can communicate is through talking, I ask questions, they answer them. They want to know something. They ask me questions, but we have to get to a point where we are. um, And we'll talk about that a little bit in a second, but essentially lose the expectations on how your children will communicate, because the same way we throw we as adults throw out body language. um, Signals. Underlying cues and clues. Children do the same thing. The difference with children a lot of times is that they don't know that they're always doing it. So as adults, we just really have to be sensitive to what's happening. Understand the kids communicate differently. Just just like I said, Um, kids don't always. um, The the area that I work with, I have for years been working with children that are um, traumatized or they're victims of abuse, they're separated from their biological families. And our kids don't always say, um, I'm scared. They may destroy property or the kid may not say, I feel like I have lost control. I have control over nothing anymore and I don't know what's happening. Um, instead of saying that, they may smear feces or wet the bed and then hide the covers or whatever. Um, they communicate differently. And we have to understand that every time a child doesn't do what we want them to do, does not signal an act of defiance. A lot of times it is a cry for help. Next, meet children where they are. So if we have a child that's a communicator, like a spoken communicator, we can assume that 
they are going to say, I'm feeling sad today. Today was very overwhelming. I was triggered in class or to break it down. I did not like when my teacher did this or Johnny hurt my feelings when he did this. Those are our communicators. And you may want to consider yourself lucky if some if a child is able to communicate outright because it helps us understand a lot quicker. But then you have children that are creatives and creatives are children who they're like our our artistic children. So they like art and music and they create a lot of stuff. Um, Those are the children that may never use words to tell you how they feel. They may paint a really dark picture. Their music choices may change. Um, Their clothing choices may change. They may decide, they may go from wearing, you know, like bright colors to wearing really dark colors. And that could be a signal that something else is happening that they're trying to get you to pick up on. And then we have our science-minded children. I couldn't think of a better way to put that. But those are the children that are really into facts. They're really like black and white thinkers. Um, And those are the children that they don't always understand their feelings. And if they don't understand their feelings or they can't quantify their feelings, it's difficult for them to be able to articulate them to you. So we have to understand that everyone is not designed to um, express their thoughts and feelings the same way. Um, next one is acknowledge your child's feelings, even if you don't understand them. And that can be a whole podcast all by itself. Um, and then this one, this next one is very important. Don't settle on giving children what we felt we needed growing up, give them what they need. So we may have instances where we're like, if my mom was just more, affectionate I feel like I would be different and so what we do is in turn smother our children with affection we're not reparenting ourselves we're parenting our children so we have to figure out what is it that they need that we can um, that we can reach them where they are and then the last one is if you have multiples give each of your children their own time in a way that speaks directly to that child For as many people as on the face of the earth, we all have some different way that speaks to us. We have a person that we want to speak to us, a way that we communicate, a reason why we shut down, a reason why we perk up. And it's just it's that same way with children. If it's more than one, you're probably going to have to reach them in different ways. Next question. As an educator and a parent, I find many children elementary age in particular, to be self-centered. I'm well aware that this is also developmentally appropriate to some degree. I do think, however, that with the appropriate guidance, kids can learn how to empathize. Can you provide tips, strategies, analogies, small steps to help kids frame their view a little differently? So I had this... um, a similar-ish conversation. Um, I lead a Girl Scout troop. Um, Our girls are kindergarten through eighth grade, and we had a discussion about technology and 
how it affects us, how technology was, is, was different when I was growing up, non-existent almost, <laughs> um, but different when I was growing up versus today. And so, um, but I'm going to share something a little, my personal thought more so than something personal. It's my personal thought. And to some degree, I know that I'm overgeneralizing, but I feel like we did this to our kids. Um, And I say that because a great deal of us want to provide a life for our children that we just did not have. We feel like we could be better versions of ourselves or they could be better versions of of us without some of the trauma, hardships or life lessons that we had to endure. So in turn, we cushion life's blows for them. Um, So we'll take an example of just me growing up versus my daughter. So for me, um, my mom would like call me from her room in the morning time. I'm talking, I'm a little girl, like third, fourth grade. She would call me from my room for me to get up. She wasn't taking out clothes. She wasn't fixing breakfast. She actually wasn't even coming in there to make sure I got up. I got myself up. I got myself dressed in sometimes a clean or dirty uniform. (laughs) It just depended. I got myself to school. um, And in about the fourth grade, I rode public transportation by myself. And for me, that was a train and then a bus. And then I walked to get to my school. Um, And hope I made it on time to have breakfast. If I did not have breakfast, That was a life lesson for the next day to move earlier, but I had to wait until lunchtime to eat. Where is my daughter? Um, Her clothes are washed for her, ironed for her. She has a breakfast made, sometimes cereal at home. Her school lunch is made, and then she rides to school every day. And while I'm grateful that I'm blessed or have been blessed to provide a different experience for my daughter growing up, I would say I developed differently than my daughter because I learned how to survive and provide meaning for all of my experiences. Whereas my daughter's out here truly like living her best life, (laughs) you know, Um, she's like public transportation. What, you know, bless her heart. But to answer your question, I just wanted to kind of give a, picture as to kind of how we do our children um, in general, like I said. But to answer your question, children learn empathy when we model empathy. And as a definition, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others around us. So take note, they see the responses we have about other parents, about their teachers, about co-workers, or about the person that we're impatiently blowing the car horn at in traffic. So children model our behavior and they learn empathy based on how we exhibit empathy. Okay. Um, How can you help them develop a sense of empathy? You can help them identify a cause. As a parent, you can adopt a family for Christmas, volunteer at a shelter, or discuss news stories with children about lack, loss, and hardship. As an educator, you can do things like implementing a sharing quarter, corner, I'm sorry, kindness days, have an open dialogue about children's feelings. You can also assign books for them to read 
and then do a class service project around the issue in the book. For younger children, it can be books like Berenstain Bears. It's a whole series and they have all types of things that they talk about in those books. For older, like elementary age children, it can be a book like Wonder. And then when you get in middle school, you really can just kind of tackle like day to day um, examples, middle and high school day to day examples. Make caring for others a priority. So let them see you helping. Do you go visit people in the hospital? Do you help the bereaved? Um, Do you turn your nose up at the homeless person on the corner? They're taking all those cues and clues from us and then help them understand other people's point of view. So a lot of times and adults included can get very caught up in the um, this is how I feel about it. This is what matters. And we don't, I don't even think we always understand that that's kind of the the position that we take, but teach them that while we're having an experience on this end, someone else is having an experience on the very other side. So I may be mad because you fussed at me. Meanwhile, you're on this side and you're frustrated because you thought that I should have known that this makes you sad or this makes you angry. We're all having different experiences based on our filters and what we have gone through and our vantage point. So help them to understand other people's point of view. And then last question, how do you get past a bad breakup with a child? So oftentimes we get caught up in the fact that when a relationship ends for us, that we are the only ones grieving the loss of that relationship. I just want to let you know that children are grieving the loss of the relationship as well. And if you missed our um, my podcast on grieving, it was episode three. Check it out. Lots of great information. But whether it's a parent or a significant other, know that that child has their own relationship with that person. And so they're having to manage the loss of that relationship. Another thing I want you to do is leave them out of the messiness of the relationship. So using statements like your daddy did or you remind me of your mom with that attitude or stuff like this is why we're not together is not the place of the children. So we want to make sure that when we are referring to the other parent or a former significant other, that we're not using judgmental statements. Everything is like matter of fact. Yeah, Joe used to come over all the time. Yeah, Sarah is, um, she did live down this street. Not, I'm glad I ain't never got to see Sarah again because she get on my nerves. We don't, um, we don't want to take those vantage points. Acknowledge their feelings. Kids have feelings. They feel a way about the breakup, the divorce, Um, Whether it's sadness, anger, uncertainty of the future, concerns of if my mom or dad dates somebody else, is it too risky for me to 
like the person because they may possibly go away like someone else did. So acknowledge their feelings. Let them know that the breakup or divorce is not their fault. Kids oftentimes, like our previous question, are self-centered. So they often take the um, the idea that the relationship has ended as personal. So let them know that it's not their fault. It's not anything that they did that caused the demise of the relationship. And then help them navigate their new normal. So sometimes um, if it was a parent, they may be accustomed to that parent being in the home, being the one that took them to school, being the one that cooked dinner. And so sometimes that is not that's not the case anymore once a divorce happens. So you want them to help you want to help create new routines, um, essentially new normals with that child to make sure um, help them adjust to what the present state of life is because change is inevitable. Okay. So as we close out this week's episode, I thank you guys so much for sending me such awesome and thought provoking questions. And I read something and I just want to share it with you guys really, really quick. Remember that kids who need love the most ask for it in the most unloving ways. So as we're going out and we are being parents and therapists and educators and big sisters that sometimes these people are um, these little people are out here and they are seeking our love and attention they just don't know how to ask for it in the ways that we seem to feel are most appropriate okay thank you for listening to our courage speaks podcast like comment and share and then join us on facebook and instagram at courage speaks or send us an email at CourageSpeaks2020 at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day.